0: Hello, my name is Jeroen Huisdens, and thank you for listening to this podcast. This episode was originally recorded in Dutch, about three months ago, and I got some great feedback, which made me record an English version to reach an international audience. Please let me know what you think of it, so I can decide what to do with this podcast in the near future. For now, please enjoy. I remember it well, it was the summer of 86. I went to the cinema with some friends. The Tivoli theater in the Dutch town of Apeldoorn, screen 4. It was a movie about a jet fighter pilot who had to prove he was the best of the best. And I thought it was wonderful. Little did I know that 35 years later I would be in San Diego trying to visit the locations of that very same film. You are listening to Fantastic Film Locations, a podcast about movies and the places where they were shot. You will hear things you didn't know about the movies and the people who made them. And I will also try to tell you why it's such a great fun to visit movie locations as I share my stories and experiences with you. My name is Jeroen Huisdens and in this episode I will take you to San Diego to tell you more about Top Gun. The first location I want to take you to in this episode is located at Point Loma near San Diego. At the far end of this peninsula, near the lighthouse, is the home of Top Gun's commander Viper. It's a beautiful white residence with palm trees surrounded by the sea. Uh, Too bad you can't go near that place because it's all military terrain. But you can see it when you drive to Cabrillo National Monument and park your car over there. It's just a short walk. It also gives you a great view of San Diego and Coronado Island. My recommendation is to visit the park early in the day and on a regular weekday, because otherwise there's a long queue to get a ticket. The parking fee by the way is $20. Before I continue, let's rewind a bit. The whole Top Gun adventure began in May of 1983 when producer Jerry Bruckheimer read an article in California magazine. It was about fighter pilots. He threw it on the desk of his colleague Don Simpson and said, this is Star Wars on Earth and we're gonna make a movie about it. To give you a little bit more context, Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson had just started as independent movie producers. Their first films, Flashdance and Beverly Hills Cop had yet to become hits. They pitched the idea for Top Gun to Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was then president of production at Paramount Pictures. And he in turn presented the idea to two of his favorite scriptwriters, Jack Epps and Jim Cash. Epps was hooked as soon as he saw the picture in the article because it was a picture of a jet fighter pilot in a cockpit at 20,000 feet with two other jets right next to him. Epps, himself a pilot, was keen to get a spectacular test flight and sure he got one. I feel the need, the need for speed. Oh! At that point in time everyone was convinced that Top Gun would only fly if the American Air Force would cooperate. Don Simpson had a bad experience with the Army, because of the response to the film An Officer and a Gentleman. And the Air Force had a bad taste in its mouth from participating in the movie Final Countdown. But when former pilot and Top Gun instructor Peter Pettigrew Graham on board, it got the ball rolling. Everyone was happy and excited. Except for Paramount. Because they didn't like the script. As a result, the whole thing came to a halt. Then, Studio heads Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Katzenberg left for Disney and the new Paramount Chiefs could really use a new movie. Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson got their 14 million dollars to make Top Gun. And now back to the film locations in San Diego and its surrounding areas where Top Gun was filmed. First up, the places connected to the scene where Charlie chases after Maverick in her awesome Porsche Speedster, It was a replica, by the way, but never mind. That scene starts at Roosevelt Road in San Diego, at a building that used to house the Naval Training Center and now holds the NTC Foundation. Charlie wants to explain her actions to Maverick. He's on his motorcycle, he revs the engine, tells her he can't hear anything and leaves. And after that, we are suddenly on West Laurel Street, four miles down the road. They dump the car and the motor at the side of the road, have a fight, but afterwards make up. It's just an ordinary street, but it has a rather pretty palm tree. But it's also another interesting location for plane spotters. The planes come down very low before landing at San Diego airport. Let's say it's a tip for fans of airplanes. Onto the scene during the naval party, where the men try to impress Charlie. You know the one. They imitate the Righteous Brothers and sing You've Lost That Loving Feeling. That party was filmed for most part in the Lafayette Hotel. In the Mississippi room, to be precise. In all honesty, there's nothing left in that room that reminds you of Top Gun. Even the employee of the hotel, who was so kind to let me in the room, didn't know its Top Gun history. It's more the notion that it took place there that makes it fun. Lafayette happens to be a hotel with a history of its own. In the 40s and 50s, it was favored by movie stars from Hollywood. The first guest in 1946, when the hotel opened, was Bob Hope. And the original swimming pool, believe it or not, was designed by Johnny Weissmuller, the actor who played Tarzan in countless movies. You can still see the link with Hollywood throughout the hotel, pictures on the walls, the murals in the parking garage, and other mementos like that. Just don't go looking for the bathroom Tom Cruise visits to follow Kelly McGillis, because that part wasn't shot in Lafayette. It was apparently shot somewhere in a naval training center. Even so, if you want to go on a Top Gun tour in San Diego, the Lafayette Hotel is a very good place to start. Director Tony Scott got involved with Top Gun because Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer saw one of his commercials, the one he made for the Swedish brand Saab. It featured images of a fighter jet and a car competing with one another. Scott was open to do the movie, but he had a dark, gloomy vision. He wanted to make something like Apocalypse Now, but the producers were not in the mood for that. So they were relieved when Tony Scott finally realized it was about rock and roll stars in the sky. And then he also knew what the movie had to look like. He merely had to flick through a photo book of Bruce Weber's pictures and especially one photo called Boys in a Car. A picture of three gorgeous shirtless models in a Chevy. The scene where Scott goes nuts with this idea is playing with the boys. It's the scene on the beach volleyball court with music by Kenny Loggins where you can see the testosterone flying through the air. It was shot at Marine Corps air station Miramar, where ordinary citizens unfortunately don't have access. But in September you can witness a spectacular air show over there. The volleyball court was created just for the film. And it's rather funny to say that Tony Scott had the actors covered in baby oil for the full effect. The other scene, the locker room scene with plenty of bare torsos, also fits that picture. Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer facing off. That scene was shot in the changing room of The Plunge, an indoor swimming pool in San Diego. It has been completely refurbished and is now unrecognizable. Right from the start, Tom Cruise was the best candidate for the leading role. Jack Epps and Jim Cash even wrote the script with him in mind, because they'd just seen his movie All the Right Moves. And Bruckheimer and Simpson also liked Cruise. For a year and a half, they tried to get him excited for the movie, but he wouldn't bite. Until he was allowed on a flight of the Blue Angels, the demonstration team of the American Navy. At least, that is how Jerry Brookheimer tells the story, and there's more to it. At that time, Tom Cruise had long hair that he kept in a ponytail. When he arrived at the air base for his test flight, the naval men thought, "What is that hippie doing here?" They took him up in the sky and let him feel what 4G and 5G do to your body. And he was barely out of the plane when he phoned to produce the producer su- to say he was in. Tom Cruise now tells that story a bit differently. Says he had long since decided to accept the role, but he wanted, in black and white, that he would be filmed in an F-14. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. Okay, let's go to the next location, onto Oceanside, a city just north of San Diego with around 170,000 inhabitants. It's beautifully located on the coast. It's the location where filming of Top Gun started on June 26th of 1985. Last year, when I visited North Pacific Street in Oceanside on a particular sunny day, I might say, I got a major shock. The house I was looking for was gone. According to my notes, it had to be on the corner of North Pacific Street and First Street, The place where Maverick arrives on his motorcycle, knocks on the door, looks through the window, jumps over the fence and has to apologize for being late to his dinner date. But the house wasn't there anymore. There was, however, a very big and new apartment building. I was so disappointed. So I googled it. Turned out, the blue Victorian house of Dr. Henry Graves that stood in the same spot for 132 years, had been picked up and moved to a piece of land 300 yards further away. So I went there. And sure enough, there it was. Completely renovated, freshly painted, shining in the sun. Turned out the project developer knew what he was dealing with. He prevented the battered house from being bulldozed. And according to the accounts, He spent a million dollars on renovating it and moving it in its entirety. At the time I was there, they were about to turn it into a place which sells amazing pies, so it wasn't open yet. But anyway, it was fantastic to be there. The second part of that scene, in which Maverick talks about his parents while he and Charlie listen to the music of Otis Redding, wasn't shot in that house. That was done in a Paramount studio in Los Angeles. But that does in no way diminish the joy you feel when you visit the location and sit on the sunlit stairs of the house listening to the song Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. Speaking of music, you could say that Top Gun was one of the movies that started the era of the pop soundtracks. But that doesn't do justice to the music of Harold Foltemeyer, the composer who worked closely with Giorgio Moroda and is clearly influenced by him. Harold Faltermeyer is mainly known for his music for Beverly Hills Cop. And the producers of Top Gun got to know him when they worked on the music for Flashdance. He was so enthusiastic about their stories that they sent him the Top Gun script and asked him, what do you think? Not a single frame had yet been shot. Voltermeyer answered their question during a dinner. He said he already had a piece of music ready, but that was not entirely true. So when Don Simpson asked to hear it right away, Voltermeyer skipped dessert, went to his studio and added some final touches. After they finished their dinner, the man came to his studio to hear the piece we all know now as Top Gun Anthem. They really loved it, and the rest is history. I wanted to address this because it's also nice to consider the music when filming locations are visited. Especially because, again, Voltermeyer needs only a few notes to bring Top Gun back to life. Top Gun was supposed to have a different ending. Imagine for a moment, Tom Cruise lands his plane, sees Kelly McGillis, they embrace, and they drive off in a Jeep. Well, No one really liked that ending, so they looked for an alternative one. Tony Scott thought it was a little bit tasteless to use the piano bar a second time, and in hindsight it worked rather well, because of that jukebox and you've lost that loving feeling. That bar, the Kansas City Barbecue, wound up in Top Gun by sheer coincidence. Someone from production went in there to get a beer when the crew was filming in the neighborhood. He thought it was such a great location that he convinced Tony Scott to film the scene with great balls of fire there. The owners, Martin and Cindy Blair, were asked to close the joint for one day so they could film it. The couple now consider this one of their best decisions ever. By the way, the restaurant in San Diego is called Kansas City Barbecue because that's where the owners originally come from. Even more than 35 years later, it's really amazing to enter the restaurant. It has a great atmosphere. It is as if time has stood still. The walls are covered in pictures, posters and newspaper articles about Top Gun and the American Navy. And when you spot that piano in the corner, you get the immediate urge to start singing. Great I in love, but I it was For a time, it looked as if this wonderful movie location would be lost forever. On June 26 of 2008 a fire broke out in the kitchen. After 20 minutes the firefighters had it under control, but part of the inventory went up in flames. The piano however survived the fire, but the jukebox was heavily damaged. That's why the restaurant now has a replica. The owners still have the original jukebox, but it's too badly damaged to put it back. When you visit a restaurant, Ask the staff to tell you stories about Top Gun. They still love to talk about it. They told me that Anthony Edwards, you know, Goose, didn't know any of the lyrics to Grey Balls of Fire. It was quickly scribbled on a piece of paper that was plucked out of a trash can. Unfortunately, it was also dumped back in it again afterwards. It would have been a great item to put on the wall. If you are a big enough fan to travel halfway across the world to visit movie locations in San Diego, you cannot leave the Kansas City barbecue without an original Top Gun film location t shirt. It's for sale at the bar where Tom Cruise sat. Top Gun didn't get much love from the critics upon its release in May 1986. And Top Gun didn't even get off to a great start, but spurred on by the music the film lasted in cinemas for months and thus it became the film hit of 1986. All doors opened for Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson and Tom Cruise became a mega star. The film won the Oscar for the best song with Take My Breath Away by the band Berlin. For years people speculated about a possible sequel And each time nothing came of it. It seemed to permanently disappear off the radar when in 2012 the then 68 year old Tony Scott took his own life. Tom Cruise had always said he would only do Top Gun 2 with Scott, but by now we know better. Before I wrap this up, there's one more thing. It's not without reason that this episode is about Top Gun. This month, The long-awaited sequel Top Gun Maverick is in cinemas, finally, and even though like many others I had to do with the trailer of the movie, I already went looking for the locations in San Diego. I would like to mention one of those, because it was a very special experience when I was in San Diego last year. Don't ask me how I figure all this stuff out, but I know that Top Gun Maverick was filmed at Fort Rosencrantz National Cemetery. It's only a few minutes' drive from Cabrillo National Monument that I told you about earlier. I always think cemeteries are locations that should be treated with respect. You don't start driving around like mad looking for a movie location. In the case of this cemetery, it would also be very difficult to do so because 120,000 men and women are buried in Rosencrantz. Good luck finding that one particular spot based on a screenshot from a trailer! All credits are due to my wife Connie. She pointed me to the spot that fit all the criteria. And there, in a row of pristine, white, tightly laid tombstones, was just that one stone missing. And on the ground you could st- still see the imprint of something that was there before. Rosecrans is a hugely impressive cemetery. It's located on a beautiful hill overlooking the Pacific Ocean. And there are so many graves there. So respectful and beautifully maintained. It's definitely worth a visit. Even if you don't care about that one location from Top Gun Maverick. Okay, that was it. You were listening to Fantastic Film Locations. This episode was made by Jeroen Huistens. The music you're hearing is by Alex Savoshka. Special thanks to my coach Jan van Houten. Thanks also to Les Paul Robley for his article in America Cinematographer, Megan Garber for her article in The Atlantic, the people of the Lafayette Hotel and the Kansas City Barbecue, and the makers of The Making of Top Gun. You can find the list of movie locations with handy GPS coordinates on the website scene.com. And on Spotify, I made a playlist with music from the movie. It's listed under Fantastische locaties. And if you don't want to miss an episode in the future, please subscribe to this podcast. You can do that at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud. I would really love to hear what you think of it. So please leave a review. Maybe until next time.